When it comes to geopolitical change, particularly speaking among the countries in Southeast Asia, if you follow the news closely, lately the country of Thailand is undergoing this tremendous political change. Again, as we mentioned before, this ongoing political change is going to change the fate of the nation, particularly regarding this recent election. Now get this, more than 52 million people participated in this recent election for so long at this for this country, we need to understand whether this democratic system will be preserved and also how about the younger generations. This time, this election is not just about changing the system, it's offering the voice to the voiceless, again, among the youth in Thailand. And how about the election? How should we understand the word revolution? It's not just about the political revolution, it's also about social and also this economic change as well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, which is Oren Summit. Again, Oren is a PhD candidate in the political science department at the University of California in Berkeley and the dissertation fellow with the UC Institute of Global Conflict and Cooperation. His research focuses on opposition parties, civil society, and authoritarianism, particularly in Southeast Asia. Well, Oren, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Thanks, Will. Well, Oren, again, as we mentioned before, Thailand today is one of the significant countries in Southeast Asia. And regarding this uh, uh, ongoing election at this moment, help us with better understanding. How significant is the election this time? And also, why do you think that more and more younger generations actually participated in this election? And what do you think they're hoping to see at the end of the results? Well, sure. So the election itself was really a political earthquake for Thailand. Um, Thailand for the past 20 years has been characterized by intense polarization. And those two sides have really been polarized around uh, certain political figures, mm -hmm. particularly former Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawat, who was overthrown in a coup in 2006. And so mm -hmm. his supporters and opponents have gone back and forth for, for basically 20 years. Um, and this election was the first in which his party or a, a party affiliated with him and his family didn't actually win the most votes or seats. Mm. And instead, the, the party that did, which was called the Move Forward Party, is a relatively new upstart progressive party, uh, which really has has spoken out on some issues in Thai politics, which were previously taboo mm. uh, and also has articulated a vision for change in Thai politics, which is pretty unique and quite new as well. Mm. And so in that sense, this election was was quite different than those that came before. And it really spoke to the degree to which people, and especially young people, are pretty frustrated and fed up with mm. the, the current politics and the current system. And a lot of that has to do with the involvement of the military in politics and also the establishment, which is affiliated with the military and also the monarchy uh, and its conservative and uh, kind of reactionary, the re conservative reactionary place it holds in politics. So Thailand has been characterized, as I said, by, by this conflict over, over politicians, but also by conflict over the military's role in politics. And the degree to which that has increased and, and solidified in the past decade 
I think a lot of the vote today or last week was reacting to to that that change. Um, Thailand has been ruled effectively by the military for the past nine years since mm-hmm. the 2014 coup, and politics hasn't improved in that period. Uh, the economy hasn't improved in that period, and I think a lot of people, again, especially young people, are frustrated. Orn, I want to raise something to you, and also want to get your reaction on this. Again, based on this election, people believe in Thailand elections are supposed to be alternatives to revolution, not occasions for revolution. Now, from your perspective, again, as you mentioned before, this election absolutely changed the fate of the country. Again, especially among the younger generations. So, from your perspective, how should we understand the election as supposed to be the alternative? To revolution and not occasion for revolution. What does that say about this? Well, I think in Thailand, um, especially in recent years, elections have been really the main opportunity. Elections have been the main opportunity for people's voices to actually be heard. Mm. And so, in that sense, it's a bit different than elsewhere, right? Thailand was coming from a period of military rule in 2014, an election in 2019, which. Um, Saw some opportunity for people to express themselves as well, mm. but really, what happens in Thailand is is the people vote usually for change, usually for the, the forces that are opposed to the mm. military, and the military will come right back in and and stage a coup or otherwise take control of politics. And so, what ends up happening is that those elections end up being opportunities for the people to really express their will and use that as a, a political argument going forward to try and. Create a more democratic system in Thailand, which I think is what you're seeing happening today through the the victory of the Move Forward Party and the, the opposition more broadly. I want to s- focus on this Move Forward Party again. Right now, this leading candidate is Peta, and again, based on the research that he was educated overseas, now he's one of the representatives, or should we say, really the role model. Among the younger generations, able to carry on this election, and also, of course, he gained more popularities. Now, again, based on the report, for this move forward party is hoping to form a coalition government with other parties. Orn, help us with better understanding. Number one, how should we interpret his motivation to form a coalition government with other parties? And number two. How likely he's going to achieve that goal? Because again, rumors on the street, other parties might not be able to accept the election result or might not be willing to form the coalition with Peta. So, is that going to be a major political obstacle, or does that mean Peta or this move forward party has a long way to go before secure this final position? What do you say to that? Sure. Well, it, it, first of all, to understand Thai politics. In Thailand, there's a, a pretty uh, fractious and diverse party system. So we're not looking necessarily, really, ever at one party achieving a, a, a full majority of, of seats on their own. And so it's pretty normal for for parties after an election to work together with other parties that are are like minded and and sort of on the same page to form a coalition government. So coalitions are are not uncommon. Uh, in this case, the coalition that they've amassed is actually a, a Far more than a majority of the seats that were elected in the last election, uh, Pita and the Move Forward Party uh, had about 152 seats that mm-hmm. they won, um, 
And they have a master coalition of over 300 seats out of the 500 seat lower chamber. So in any normal democracy, this would be no problem. And the move forward party and Pita would be on his way to being prime minister. Mm. The roadblock here is really uh, the Thai Senate. And to understand the, the place of the Thai Senate, you have to understand that the current constitution, which was approved in 2017, was effectively written by the military. Mm. And what it did was it created a Senate that was military appointed. And that Senate of 250 seats is able to participate in the selection of a prime minister. Mm. And so 500 lower house seats were elected and 250 upper house seats were appointed. And you need a majority of that combined 750 seats. And so that's 376 seats or, or basically three quarters of elected seats, mm. which is a very high bar, again, in, in Thai politics, which has a lot of different parties. Mm. And so what's happening right now is there are negotiations and an attempt by Move Forward and its allies to amass enough votes to actually get over the line. Mm. And a lot of what that involves is trying to convince members of the Senate that they should vote with the people. Mm. But the fact that the Senate is military appointed uh, and the military has a lot of reasons to be quite against this Move Forward-led government, potential government, that means that that's an uphill battle. And so we'll see what happens going forward. Now, Help us with better understanding, Oren, is this Move Forward Party, and number one, what is the significance of the Move Forward Party this time during the election? And number two, again, as you mentioned before, for so long, people in Thailand are actually fed up and also tired of this traditional system or, you know, again, under the ruling of the military. But again, it's not just about the words that coming out of the move forward party. It's actually about the actions. You know, we need to see the actions behind the words and we need to stop kicking the, kicking the can down the road. So again, what are some of the major policies or what are the, some of the major changes that come out of this move forward party or under PETA that people are really excited about? And then we're going to get, we're going to get to the conversation about military, but let's start with the goals and also the plans under move forward party or under PETA? What do you say? To sure. So actually, the, the coalition that I was just mentioning, which is led by move forward and is attempting to form a government, I uh, just met earlier today and announced their their joint sort of set of policies they're putting forward. And a lot of the policies are, are, are things that are supposed to move Thailand forward on the economic front. Um, but also move forward itself as a party really articulated a very progressive vision in terms of what Thai politics should look like. Mm. And that involves in particular a real diminishment of the military's role in politics and also the military's role in society. So one of the things that move forward has, has articulated and wants to push forward is eliminating the draft, the military draft in Thailand. Mm. Um, right now, all Thai young people are, are uh, effectively supposed to join the military uh, are drafted into the military, more or less. Mm. Um, and, and the Move Forward Party wants to change that, so to eliminate the mandatory draft. Um, the Move Forward Party has also articulated some controversial policies around the monarchy. And the monarchy holds a very uh, unique place in Thai politics, and it's a, a sort of its own taboo within Thai politics to discuss mm. the monarchy. And part of that is because of the very severe royal defamation laws which mm. exist, uh, known as Article 112. Mm. And Move Forward has actually articulated a desire to reform Article 112 to make it less punitive. Right now, you can get thrown in jail for up to 15 years mm. per count. Uh, and Move Forward says they, they want to change that. Um, so, so that's another area in which they're really pushing on some, again, controversial and, and progressive areas in Thai politics. Mm. 
Now, the next question is, some believe that for this time that we are going to see a young representative and hopefully to become the next prime minister, again, this considered as a progressive and also a established forces. Now, Oren, would you agree with this statement that having this younger generation to be the representative in the government or to be the next prime minister, this is actually a progressive movement. So in other words, it's really the deal that broke this traditional political system in Thailand. And also you mentioned some of the bold plans and some of the plannings are actually challenged the current system or even the monarchy. So do you think it's a progressive? Is it appropriate for us to use the word to describe the current political atmosphere in Thailand? Well, I think it's certainly an appropriate word to use to describe move forward and its supporters. Um, and I think as we saw from the election results, there's certainly a hunger for that that form of, of progressive politics mm. in Thailand right now. Um, you know, the the older generation, uh, military rulers and, and the people that associate with them and the establishment, um, they're sort of colloquially referred to by many in, in Thailand as dinosaurs. Mm. And they're understood to be kind of old politics, calcified and, and not understanding younger generations. And so in that sense, I, I would completely agree that Move Forward represents a really fresh and different approach to politics and an attempt to kind of push past and move past these dinosaurs that exist in Thai politics. Mm. Or I want to go back to the question regarding this military role. Again, this is something that you mentioned numerous times. Now, Thailand's people are not exercising their popular sovereignty and they're demanding it. And based on the latest research and also uh, a quote came out of the article. Now, what is the role of the military today in Thailand? And why do you think that people, again, they're not exercising their sovereignty and they're demanding the sovereignty? So in other words, to me, it's they're claiming the separation from the military power to say, we are done with you and we no longer are interested in associating the relationship with you. It's time to flip the channel. It's time to sweep under the carpet and let's move on. Now, what is the role of the military? And the second question is, would you expect the military will listen actually to understand the demand of the people? What do you say to that, Oren? Well, your second question is, I think, the, the million dollar question going forward. But in terms of the role of, of the military in Thai politics, the military has seen itself uh, for, for decades as the guarantors of the traditional, especially pro-royalist establishment. Mm. And so there's been a partnership between the military and the monarchy and the conservative elite in the country for years that attempts to keep Thailand uh, in a certain place politically. Mm. And so the military has done that repeatedly essentially by intervening in politics and taking over. So we saw coups in just in the last 20 years, we saw coups in 2006 and 2014, in which the military overthrew very popular uh, populist governments in order to retain control and set the country, attempt to set the country back on the sort of traditional path it had been on mm. previously. What you've seen is that that hasn't really caused a shift in popular opinion and public opinion in general. And so what we've seen is the development of this cleavage in Thai politics and this polarization around the military's role. And that's really where Move Forward has come from and where a lot of its popularity 
has come from. And so that, that great quote about the, the people not exercising sovereignty, but demanding it, uh, which comes from a great piece in the Journal of Democracy by, by Dan Slater. Mm. Um, what he's really saying there is that because of the military's involvement and because of the conservative establishment's unwillingness to allow the people's voice to be heard, each election doesn't necessarily con- constitute an opportunity for the people to select their leadership freely, but instead constitu- constitutes an opportunity for them to demand that they should be allowed to do that through these types of election victories, which, again, have been pretty overwhelming in terms of their support for the opposition. Now, Oren, the last question, I want to move on to the next topic. Again, let's talk about this election in Thailand. As we mentioned before, Thailand, it's one of the significant countries in Southeast Asia. Again, this election, it's not about just about changing the political uh, atmosphere or changing the political state in Thailand. And also that could also impact other countries as well. So from your evaluation or according to your assessment, how do you think this Thailand election could impact its role on other countries in Southeast Asia, such as Vietnam and the Philippines and Laos. Again, everyone is watching and also everyone is paying close attention to the political movement in Thailand. How do you think that this election could change this social or this political status among the countries in Southeast Asia? What do you say to that? So I think there are two main ways that it could have an impact regionally. Um, The first is just by the sense of inspiration that that others may take from the opposition's victory in Thailand. Mm. Southeast Asia, especially mainland Southeast Asia, the countries of the Mekong region, have really struggled with authoritarianism uh, for for many years, but the past decade or so has been particularly rough Mm. uh, for many of those countries. So the, the ability and opportunity to see move forward and the wider opposition do so well in these elections and articulate a really progressive policy vision, I think, gives some amount of hope to others, to activists, to other oppositions in the region that there may be opportunities for change moving forward. So that's a sort of aspirational way in which uh, the opposition's win might have an impact. But I think there's also practical implications for Thailand's role within the region, and especially within the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN. Uh, ASEAN has been, uh, for, for quite some time, essentially incapable of making decisions, and a lot of that has to do with the division within the organization. Mm. And I think Thailand's current government, which is the military-backed government, wasn't helping. They were essentially pushing back against more pro-democratic moves within ASEAN. And so I think that the opportunity of, of a different government, a government that is more progressive, might have practical implications on what ASEAN is, is able to do and the choices it, it is able to make. And that's especially true, turning to the next piece of the conversation, with respect to ASEAN and Thailand's role in neighboring Myanmar. Mm. Now, or I'm very glad that you mentioned Myanmar because we know that this country is also under or experiencing this political uh, change as well. And again, we're looking at a military government and we're looking at this Myanmar's ruthless military dictatorship that ruling this country. Now, number one, the question very simple, help us understand what is happening in Myanmar today. And again, since uh, 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 many years that we follow this country's political change, 
how should we understand this political deadlock within the country of Myanmar? And also, that has something to do, or even a lot to do, with Thailand as well. Let's start with the ongoing political instability in Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar. What do you say to that? Sure. So there's actually a lot of parallels here with the, the cleavages in Thailand. Uh, Myanmar, like Thailand, has had a history of military involvement in politics. Uh, and Myanmar's has been much more direct and much more violent than Thailand. Um, and what we've seen that the current the current political impasse emerged uh, after a coup in 2021 in which the military took control, took full control of the government uh, and overthrew the elected civilian leadership of that country. And this was after an election in 2020 mm. in which that civilian leadership did incredibly well. So essentially, the, the cleavage, again, in, in Myanmar politics is between pro and anti-military. Um, but the anti-military side is overwhelmingly popular. The National League for Democracy, or NLD, led by Da Aung San Suu Kyi, mm. the, the democracy leader in that country, um, they were essentially in control of the civilian portion of the Myanmar government uh, after 2016, and they won a, another landslide election in 2020. And that was essentially too much for the Myanmar military to take. They, their proxy parties were, were wiped out, and they decided as a result to stage a coup and, and to reestablish direct military rule in the country. The problem was is that the people were not willing to accept that. Mm. And the reaction was a, a large-scale nationwide protest movement, uh, which was objecting to the coup. And that descended into a military crackdown, which has killed thousands of people, mm. and in, in emerging civil war, which has really grown and caused a lot of suffering in that country. Well, but Orrin, again, we've seen the protests, and we've seen that people boldly uh, voice their oppositions towards the military government. But even until today, again, correct me if I'm wrong, we have not seen any effective changes. As a matter of fact, some countries still, um, I would say, wrongfully acknowledge the presence of the military government. Now, help us again with better understanding what kind of necessary steps or measures that we should take to completely abolish such dictate a uh, dictatorship or such dictatorial uh, a style of government and that's number one and number two what kind of uh, um, actions that do you think that civilians or even other countries can help in order to restore the democracy back to Myanmar what do you say sure so as I mentioned this this opposition to the coup and to the military the new military junta that, that was installed in its aftermath uh, one of the things in the opposition that happened was the creation of what's called the National Unity Government, mm. or NUG. And that's essentially a collection of former civilian government officials and elected representatives and their allies that have come together and, say, and, and, and said that they are the rightful government of Myanmar and nations and, and governments around the world should recognize them. So they're operating both inside and outside of the country. Um, in contested spaces in areas that the military doesn't control. And so there's this contestation over who represents Myanmar 
at, at the international and domestic levels. Mm. And so right now, the NUG actually controls Myanmar's seat at the United Nations. And governments have been willing to open representative offices for the NUG as well. And so this contestation over sovereignty, over control, is still very active and live. And so a lot of the NUG and its allies are urging international, the international community and international governments in particular to recognize the NUG and support it and to deny that legitimacy to the military, which really has, again, no legitimacy within the population and is is only really maintaining any kind of control through intense repression and brutality. Mm. And so there's there's a, a school of thought that, that suggests that the real way to move Myanmar forward is to support the NUG, support the forces of the opposition which are fighting the military, and deny any access to resources or legitimacy, deny that to the military. Mm. And so that that's one that's one pathway um, that that a lot of pro-democracy forces are, are seeking. There's some practical things that can be done in the interim as well. And, and this is where Thailand comes in. The ability of Thailand to, with its long border, to provide humanitarian access, to provide opportunities for those fleeing brutality and repression in Myanmar to come into Thailand. Those are ways, sort of practical ways, that, that neighboring governments can actually have a positive effect in the situation. Oren, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you the last question is, let's talk about the term called authoritarianism. Again, today, not just the countries in Southeast Asia, but again, around the world, we've seen the authoritarianism type of government is on the rise. But meanwhile, it could be very terrifying to see how this political power are being taken away. And we've seen people are actually suffering tremendously under authoritarian government. But on the other hand, we have not seen any effective ways to counter the rise of such government. Now, from your perspective, specifically related to a country in Southeast Asia, we talk about Thailand, we talk about Myanmar, again, we look at Laos or Cambodia, any other countries, how much do you think that we're going to expect more authoritarian governments on the rise particularly in Southeast Asia? And also, how much do you think that U.S. as a role model for democracy should step in and continue advocate for democracy and advocate for the democratic system among those countries? What do you say to that? Sure. So I think what you're seeing in Southeast Asia uh, in terms of the rise of authoritarianism is really the solidification of an older system of authoritarianism, which is very uh, counter to the public demand and public perceptions in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because when we talk about the rise of authoritarianism globally, we're actually talking about a few different uh, streams of, of, of changes that are happening. A lot of it has to do with populism and the, and the rise of, of authoritarian leaders who are elected. But actually, in the countries we're talking about in mainland Southeast Asia, the public's on the side of democracy. Mm -hmm. And we see that repeatedly when there's opportunities for free and fair votes. And so really what you have is, is a, a sometimes military, sometimes political establishment that's holding back the demands of the public. And so in that sense, the, there's real opportunity because the popular will is on the side of democracy. So I actually have some hope for the future of democracy in Southeast Asia because of that dynamic. And I think move forwards win and the, the NLD's win in Myanmar a few years ago. It's a real, real symbol of that. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean the fact the fight is going to be easy. And I think the forces of authoritarianism in that part of the world are 
very strong. Mm. And it, it's going to take a lot for the, the popular will to eventually overthrow them. Um, in terms of the, the role that the U.S. plays in the region, you know, I think the U.S. has historically, uh, not always, but in certain cases, been on the side of democratic forces in the region. Um, but that's, as I mentioned, been inconsistent. And so I think the best thing that the U.S. can do going forward is to be more consistent in terms of a policy of supporting democracy over authoritarianism. And also to get its own house in order in terms mm. of, of creating and, and, and projecting an example of what democracy can achieve. Um, I'm from the U.S. and we have a lot of problems in terms of the way our democracy functions. I think that isn't great for an ability to project um, soft power or to project sort of the, the positive vision of democracy in the world. And so I think that's something that, that can be done on the home front that's going to make the U.S.'s ability from a foreign policy perspective to support democracy in a place like Southeast Asia. It's going to make that easier. Well, Oren, again, I agree with you 100%. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to Oren Summit. Again, Oren is a PhD candidate in the political science department at the University of California in Berkeley and also a dissertation fellow with the UC Institute on Global Conflict and Cooperation. Well, Oren, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. We really appreciate your presence and also your insights. We'd love to have you back on the show as we continue to follow not just about the countries in Southeast Asia, but also the matters around the world. So thank you so much for doing this.